seated. If you'd take your Bibles and open them with me to Romans chapter 3. In verse 22 is where we will be, Romans chapter 3. We'll start in actually verse 22. And so I guess if we were to wonder where we are, wonder what is taking place, it would probably be something along this line. So what did the first day of the week bring? Matter of fact, when you look at the scripture, one of the things that you'll find in the scripture is you don't find Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, or Sunday. What you find in the scripture is you have the Sabbath, and then you have the first day after the Sabbath, or three days, or it's always in days. It's never given actual uh, designations as we do today. But according to the gospel writers, it was on the first day of the week. The Sabbath had ended, and so the first day of the week, we know, of course, that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. But really, what does that mean? What does it bring for us? What is the purpose of it? Why are Christians all across the globe today gathering together? Matter of fact, I got two messages from Israel this morning of some that we had the opportunity to meet while we were in Israel and matter of fact, one of them sent a, a, a picture to me this morning of the sun coming up in the city of Jerusalem. Uh, what better way to start the day than as the sun rises in Jerusalem, it takes our minds back to the day that the sun rose in Jerusalem from that borrowed tomb as Jesus Christ walked out of that tomb. But really and truly, what's the significance of all of this? I mean, what did that first day of the week bring for all of us? Romans chapter 3, beginning in verse 21. I want you to notice with me as Paul writing to the believers in the church at Rome and notice what he wrote. He says, But now apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been manifested being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ. For all of those who believe, there is no distinction. Now at this point, there is no difference between the Jew or the Greek or Gentile. There is everyone stands on the same footing. For all of us in this building this morning, we all stand on the same footing. There is no difference between any of us when it comes to our standing before a holy God. And so Paul goes on to write in verse 23, he says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. It's an interesting phrase. In the Greek, it means you will continually fall short. There is no place that you will ever come to that you with inside of yourself will ever be able to do what is necessary or to do enough to ever bring yourself to the place that you would be found acceptable in the eyes and the sight of God. You will always fall short of the glory of God regardless. But then we come to verse 24. And here comes the good news about the first day of the week. Being justified. In other words, to be made right. To be made just. Being justified as a gift by his grace through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus and him alone there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby you must be saved other than Jesus Christ himself 
John chapter 14 and verse number 6, Jesus said very plainly and very clearly, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except by me. That's the only way that you will get there. And so what we're gathered here today to celebrate is the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the free gift of grace that came as a result of that because of the, the mercy and the love of God himself. You know, in view of man's sin, God provided the only sacrifice that could take away sin. The other sacrifices that had been offered before, according to the law, had no other ability than just as a mere covering of that sin. Every year it had to be atoned for. Every year the high priest had to go into the holy place. Every year the high priest had to go and offer a sacrifice because it brought every year a remembrance of sin. It was never completely removed. And if the blood of bulls and goats would have been able to accomplish what was necessary for God, then there would have been no need for Jesus Christ to have died. But when Jesus Christ the Lamb of God, the perfect Lamb of God, died on the cross of Calvary. Sin was paid for once and for all. There remaineth no more sacrifice for sin. Jesus Christ paid the ultimate price, and he is now seated at the right hand of the Father today, making intercession on our behalf, and thus sin has been removed as far as the east is from the west. Are you ready for this? Never to be remembered any more the problem of how a holy god can receive into his presence those who by nature are unholy was solved it was taken care of god's justification of those who believe is provided freely by his grace and my dear friend it's free because of his grace there's absolutely nothing you can do to earn it. There's absolutely nothing you can do to purchase it. One of the things that we need to understand is this, that the gift of grace is just that. It is a gift of grace. It's unmerited favor of God himself, of which you and I have absolutely no ability or capability to ever take care of within ourselves. And God knowing that, took care of what was necessary on our behalf i could care less today what social standing you come from what pedigree you may have how far up the chain with inside of corporate america you may be or how much money you may have in the bank none of that none of that is going to get you in your life what you need and that is the peace that comes from knowing jesus christ is your personal savior and the basis of all of this is the redemption that came by jesus christ and him alone i want to share three things with you real quickly this morning what did the first day of the week bring well the first one brought an empty tomb we celebrate that and let me say this to you this morning as well it is a fact matter of fact a well-known several well-known atheists have already written to this Matter of fact, one of the things that they said is undeniable is the fact that Jesus Christ did and was crucified in the city of Jerusalem. That's a fact, my dear friend. Matter of fact, even attested to by atheists themselves. And when you go read secular historians such as Josephus 
and several others you will find that it is a recorded event that took place was the death of Jesus Christ under Roman crucifixion and are you ready for this his resurrection is fact as well and so when it comes to the empty tomb it's amazing to me is Peter the one who followed Jesus into the courtyard of Caiaphas and Annas and when Peter was approached by those that were there denied that he even knew or had been with Jesus Christ matter of fact on the third occasion he even cursed Jesus Christ for who he was but then when Jesus rose from the grave and he told the women he said go tell my disciples to meet me in Galilee and he said oh by the way tell Peter also tell Peter also well Peter wrote about the resurrection of Jesus Christ and so if you'd take your Bibles and turn with me to 1 Peter 1 Peter chapter 3 and uh, we're going to start in verse number 3 1 Peter chapter 1 I should say 1 Peter chapter 1 we'll start in verse number 3 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 3. And here's what Peter wrote. He said, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy... Now, yeah, this is the same Peter who in the courtyard of Caiaphas and Annas had cursed that he even knew Jesus. But now notice as he writes... It's caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away reserved in heaven for you who are protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Peter says that we have been born again into a living hope. And my dear friend, because of the empty tomb today, we don't have a dead hope, we have a living hope because Jesus Christ is alive today, seated at the right hand of the Father, making intercession on our behalf, is our high priest. That's what the first day of the week brought. And that's what we have. On that first day of the week is Peter... And as they made their way to that tomb, and as they dealt with the emptiness of that tomb, and then as you come to the book of Acts, is Acts, in the book of Acts, as Peter stands to preach on the day of Pentecost, take and turn with me to Acts chapter number 2 and verse 22. Acts chapter 2 and verse 22. And I want you to notice with me as Peter as he stands to preach on the day of Pentecost and as he makes it very clear Acts chapter 2 beginning in verse 22 and I want you to notice as Luke records this for us in the words of Peter men of Israel listen to these words Jesus the Nazarene a man attested to you by God with miracles and wonders and signs which God performed through him in your midst just as you yourselves know 
speaking to the crowd that had assembled there thousands from all over Israel were now in Jerusalem as Peter is speaking and he says just as you yourselves know this man verse 23 delivered over by the predetermined plan and foreknowledge of God you nailed to a cross by the hands of godless men and put him to death but one of my favorite words in scripture is just three letters long but things are getting ready to change but God raised him up again putting an end to the agony of death since it was impossible for him to be held in its power and then just flip over to chapter 3 and look in beginning in verse number 11 Peter and John had made their way up to the temple to pray and on their way to the temple to pray there was a man there that had been lame from his birth and of course Peter and John speaking to this lame man raised him up to walk again and as we come to verse number 11 we find this event as it continues to unfold while he was clinging to Peter and John all the people ran together to them at the so-called portico of Solomon full of amazement but when Peter saw this he replied to the people he said men of Israel why are you so amazed at this or why do you gaze at us as if by our own power or piety we had made him walk the God of Abraham Isaac and Jacob the God of our fathers has glorified his servant Jesus the one whom you delivered and disowned in the presence of Pilate when he had decided to release him but you disowned the holy and righteous one and asked for a murderer to be granted to you verse 15 but put to death the prince of life the one whom God raised from the dead a fact to which we are witnesses a fact to which we are witnesses and on the basis of faith in his name it is the name of Jesus which has strengthened this man whom you see and know and the faith which comes through him has given him this perfect health in the presence of you all and now brethren I know that you acted in ignorance just as your rulers did also but the things which God announced beforehand by the mouth of all the prophets that his Christ would suffer, he has thus fulfilled. Therefore, repent and return so that your sins may be wiped away. That is this Jesus that walked out of the tomb three days after he was placed in it. It brought about an empty tomb, but not only did it bring about an empty tomb, it also, I want you to see its magnitude today. And I want you to understand its magnitude. You know, cancel culture can cancel a lot of things. But my dear friend, I'm here to tell you, cancel culture can cancel a lot of things in our world around us today. And they may try and cancel the message of Jesus Christ. But I hate to tell you this, ain't going to work. This is a message that cannot be canceled. This is a message that is alive within hearts and in the hearts of the believers of God himself. It is a message that cannot be done away with. It is a message that cannot be canceled. They tried to stop it. They tried to cancel it on the cross. They tried to cancel it and stop it by placing him inside of a borrowed tomb. Sealed the tomb with a stone in front of it. But my dear friend, death could not hold him. Why? 
is God in the flesh. And God, through his power, raised him back up out of the grave and made it possible for you and I to have an eternity with him. So it's magnitude. What is the magnitude of what happened on that day? Well, let me share this with you. We can have life and have it more abundantly. You see, for us, you know, here's, here's, what most, here's the, way most, the way most folks think, okay, about life. Well, you know, when I die, I'll start to live. My dear friend, as a believer, the day you got saved, you began to live. You begin to live a life unlike any life that you had ever experienced in your, in your entire time on the face of this earth. Can you imagine spending all of eternity in the presence of God? That's what that day brought about. That is what that day ushered in. Having a life and having it more abundantly. To have peace with God. To understand what it means to have peace with a holy and a just God. To stand at the, at the throne of God one day. Not in our righteousness, but in the righteousness of Jesus Christ himself. That's how we stand there. And that was all brought about because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's what the first day of the week brought about. Not only an empty tomb, but I want to ask you another question today. Have you ever just stopped and considered how great a love that the Father bestowed upon you and I? Have you ever thought about that? And I'm not talking about a love like we see here in this earthly life that we live that is tainted and sometimes messed up and, and sometimes it's a love that just doesn't make any sense and sometimes we speak real quickly how much we love someone but our action does not show nor does it back it up. But here's what the scripture says about the love of God. He proved his love to us. And here's how he proved it to us. He proved it to us by sending his son to die in our place. While we're still a sinner, Christ died for us. There is no greater love. No greater love. None. No greater love hath man than this that he laid down his life for his friends. Jesus in his high priestly prayer before he went to the cross in the final hours that he spent with his disciples as he prayed for them my dear friend one of the things that he also did was prayed for each of us that would come after them as a result of hearing the message of the good news of Jesus Christ I guess today there are a lot of messages going to be preached there's a lot of services that are going to take place all around the world. And my dear friend, many of them have already come and gone. But today, here's what God has laid on my heart more than anything else. And I want you just, don't want you to look at your Bible, I want you to look up here at me. 
I want you just to look up here at me for just a moment. I have one simple question to ask you. Because it's the most important question that you'll ever answer in your life. Do you know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? Do you know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? And that's a simple question to answer. It's either yes or no. There is no I hope so. There is no maybe. It's either yes or no. Either you know him or you don't. Either you know him in the power of his resurrection or you don't. And my dear friend, why struggle in this life that we have today? Because if I could share this with you, this is not, this is not the end. This is not what life is fully all about. Yeah, we live life every day. But my dear friend, life is going to end here. And you're going to live on in one capacity or the other. You will live through all of eternity absolutely separated from God himself. Or you will live in his presence throughout all of eternity that choice is yours that choice is up to you and that's my third point today what did the first day of the week uh, bring with it it brought with it the most important choice that a person will ever make in your entire life are you ready for this it's a choice that everyone in this building has to make you say, wait a minute. I don't have to make that choice. I can wait for a while. You just made the choice. You see, folks, listen to me. We're not promised tomorrow. The book of James says, what is our life? It's even but a vapor. It appeareth for a little while, and then it vanishes away. Our life is referred to and it's symbolized a lot in Scripture by grass that withers and it grows for a while and it looks nice and then it withers away and it's gone. It's what comes after that. It's what takes place after that. That's the most important thing today that we all have to deal with. And I know most of our folks here have heard me say this over and over and over again, but I, I'm going to repeat it to you again. I know that 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 I know. There is no doubt in my mind when I close my eyes on this side, when I open them again, I will open them in the presence of the Lord. And, how, and people look at me and say, how in the world can you say that? Are you ready? Here comes the answer. It's because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ himself that's how I can say that you see I'm going to try to make it as simple for you today as I can God provided the way it was not an afterthought with God it was not something that God decided later oh no we've got this we've got this situation man cannot redeem himself now what are we going to do was part of the redemptive plan of God from the beginning. From Genesis through the book of the Revelation, all of the feasts, all of the offerings, the law itself, all of the prophets, the Psalms, go read them. They all were messianic.
But Father, my heart is burdened and breaks this morning for the hands that were raised who could not answer that in the affirmative. Could not answer yes. Father, I pray for them. Father, I pray that the Holy Spirit of God would bring about conviction and they'd be able to see and understand your great love for them. And Father, understanding your great love for them, they would understand and realize that as a sinner standing before a holy God, that repentance must take place first. That Father, they must be repentant. There must be a change of mind. To ask forgiveness of sin. And then to place their trust and faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ. And Father, you said. The one who calls out. Believing by faith. That today could be the day of salvation for them. Father, may that be so today. So, Father, as we sing this well-known song that is, that is known around the world, Father, may today it be more special in our lives as a believer when we consider what the first day of the week brought after that Sabbath as you walked forth out of the tomb. Father, may you receive all the honor and the glory and the praise for everything that's accomplished here today. And we ask it all in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. I'm going to be standing down here at the front. If God has spoken to your heart, there are seats down here that are vacant and open. And you may be here this morning and just want to come pray. Please feel free to do so. Today's a celebration day of the resurrection. And if you're here today and you want Jesus Christ to be a part of your heart and life, I'm going to be down here at the front. I'd love to talk with you. But here's the pew, or the I say the pews. <laughs> I've said pews for so long, okay? All the chairs that are here. Let's think about the words. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. Oh, so sweet saved a wretch like me I once was lost but now I'm found was blind but now I see twas grace that taught my heart to fear as we sing